Hey, pull up a chair. Attacks on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy, here we are. Middle, middle of, the of the night in Motown, your hometown. <laughs> we, we're we're going to go back over a liquor store a little later. <laughs> lots of action uh, here the last couple of nights. Uh, what do you think it all means? Well, I think we're now, thank goodness, after 14 hours, it seems like, of debates and analysis, we're at the end of the beginning of this race because we've now seen them under pressure a couple of times. To her credit and to some Republican delight, Elizabeth Warren has put herself in a pretty early commanding position. It's now a race to me that appears may well boil down to Elizabeth Warren and somebody, and the fight is on to be that somebody. I think Biden, who was on thin ice, is back alive, but still a little wobbly. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I, I it is early, uh, but not that early. And right. Elizabeth Warren has been consistent, consistent in her uh, campaign pronouncements, consistent in um, her messaging. And now in two debates, she in she had two heats. Yep. There've been four debates. Right. She had she won both of her heats. And in the last debate, the first debate uh, of this pairing, she did really, really well. And uh, Even to where it overshadowed. This second debate we just saw where a lot of people were kind of saying, boy, it just wasn't quite up to the first debate starring her. And uh, in the second debate, the big question was, will Joe Biden survive? Can he turn in a performance that shows a pulse, that shows that he's engaged? Can he deal with incoming, which he did not do in the first debate, can he reassure people that he uh, is up to this? You know, uh, I think a lot of what's driving the support behind Biden is that there's a perception that he is the guy who can beat Donald Trump, right. that he is the least risky choice. Uh, but uh, after that first debate performance, uh, I think that he became a riskier choice. Yeah, tonight was interesting in that he had moments where he was quite good, far better than Miami. But he also had misfires that reinforces the old guy. Can he still have the fast pitch? Can he handle Trump? So net-net, big improvement. But we could see the dynamic tonight where everybody on the second night stage had the same plan, get Biden. Yeah. Uh, and that's a tough place to be if you're not really, really good. I think there there, there may be some backlash to that. Yeah, because, I think there's uh, affection for him. Because uh, it was sort of a beatdown. Uh, but it was also it was a bit of a beatdown on Kamala Harris. She got a little taste of what it's like to be among the top tier candidates because people train their their uh, fire on her as well. And she she didn't fare particularly well in that. Yeah, I think tonight was really a textbook case of how that old expectations game can get you. Because you know in Miami, Biden was really weak. She was really good. So. Today, Biden had to be somewhat better, and he was plenty better, and she had to be great again. And she, I think, against what she's done before, had almost the weakest night tonight. Yeah. Didn't seem to want to be there, wasn't sharp. Biden got her on a defensive. Uh, and I think that dynamic of her being off her game and Biden being better enough but not great opened it up to all the one percenters to run wild, and you saw other people score, particularly Corey. Yeah, Corey Booker was very, very... Good. And, you know, he, he needed it. Yeah, badly. He's sort of been languishing in the lower single digits. He has the best, or I shouldn't say the best, but, you know, Warren has the best organization in Iowa. But everybody you talk to in Iowa says, actually, Cory Booker has a very good organization. 
in Iowa, and he, but he needed to give them some reassurance. Right, exactly. And you know what he did, um, and I don't want to get too far into the analysis of, um, of the debates. We should go sequentially in them, but uh, one of the things that I thought was lacking in the first debate, uh, and lacking, largely lacking in most of the players in the second debate, was the sense of grabbing something larger, uh, resetting the discussion yeah. and making it about sort of the the fight against Trump and the stakes of that fight, and uh, instead of an intramural scrap, and uh, Corey did that very well. He seemed very comfortable and relaxed on the stage. Uh, he had some uh, exchanges with Biden, and I, I even though, and we'll talk about it when we get into the the. Uh, into some of the particulars of the debate, even though I think Biden was armed and ready for the exchange, knew it was going to come up, fired uh, some shots about uh, uh, about Corey's record in uh, in Newark. Um, Corey seemed uh, undisturbed by it. He seemed in command of himself in yeah. the moment in a way that uh, Biden did not. Corey is one of those guys who understands that the key to being on television in a tense situation is to never be tense yourself, to mm-hmm. look like you're enjoying yourself. And he did that. Yeah, I thought he went a little far with Biden, but he got away with it because of his tone. And, and look, I agree with you. I was saying a few months ago, before Kamala had her spike at that first debate, that I thought Corey was a better Iowa caucus candidate than she was. And if he finishes ahead of her in Iowa... He could roll the table. But let's start with debate one because so much happened. And I'll tell you what surprised me the most, and then uh, you can tell me what you think about it. You know, the conventional wisdom was, and I thought this, that Bernie, who's been fading, would fight it out for the pure progressive vote with Elizabeth. But instead, they locked arms and worked the category together and wiped out pretty much everybody else. Well, the Warren people had a theory, and their theory was they didn't have to tangle with Bernie. They just had to outperform him. Yeah. That if they looked like the most uh, the most compelling uh, left candidate on the platform, that they would they would win regardless of what Bernie did. And Bernie, uh, you know, Bernie turned in a much more energetic. Yeah, I want those vitamins he's taken because <laughs> I, I think the Warren strategy worked. She was better, but that was pretty good, Bernie. If you want to hear, Bernie... I don't know, that's Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but anyway. <laughs> Sugar rush, clearly. But if you want to see Bernie do the best Bernie, that was about it. You know, fighting mad. I felt like I was in Union Hall and the Seafarers Union The thing is about Bernie doing the best Bernie is that it's it's a kind of a, an old act. Yeah, and limited. And it, you know, everybody's heard the lines and uh, he delivered them with great energy. He defended his positions, which are well known, with great energy. Uh, he... Uh, he did become kind of a caricature of himself at times. Though one of the great moments in that first debate uh, was uh, his exchange with Tim Ryan. But when Bernie's in full rant and rave mode, he, he is at least a force. Yeah. And here's a little of that. Two things. They will be better because Medicare for All is comprehensive. It covers all health care needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care hearing aids, and eyeglasses. But you don't know Second that. of all. You don't know that, Second Bernie. of all. We'll come to you in a second, I do know, and I wrote the damn bill. You know, as, as vigorous as Bernie was, it was the old Larry David, yeah, Bernie Sanders yeah. routine. We've seen it. We've seen it. Uh, but Elizabeth Warren uh, was particularly sharp in that first debate. It was interesting because Team Moderate, the best they had was Delaney, who, God bless him, I'm a more conservative uh, kind of person, so a lot of what he said was making sense to me, but that doesn't count. 
And she just wheeled on him. She just turned on him when she was ready for somebody to come at her from the right. And he wasn't the strongest person to play it. But he's just not listen. a very, you know, John Delaney is a smart guy. He's just not a very, he's not a very sympathetic guy. Yeah. He's, he's not a very warm guy. He has all the sort of, you know, he has all the sort of warmth of a kind of actuarial. Uh, <laughs> no, he looks like he's head of the audit committee. Yeah, he does. And, yeah. and, and you know, we need responsible bookkeeping in government. But she was ready for a moderate attack. Let's listen to how she went right at him. We need to encourage collaboration between the government, the private sector, and the nonprofit sector, and focus on those kitchen table, pocketbook issues that matter to hardworking Americans, building infrastructure, creating jobs, improving their pay, you, creating universal health care, lowering drug prices, Senator we Warren. can do it. You know, I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. The other thing that she did that I thought was really, really um, important was she went right at the argument that um, that she's not electable uh, and that everybody has to rally behind. And she didn't say it, but she meant Joe Biden oh, totally. uh, because yeah. he was the guy who could beat Donald Trump. And I thought this was really, really interesting. And it's a precursor of what's going to be the argument down the line, the sort of the, the heart and the commitment and the big, bold ideas of Elizabeth Warren versus the more moderate uh, sensibilities of Joe Biden and the sense that he would be more saleable to a general election electorate. But she is selling passion in a primary, which is kind of the Barry Goldwater formula, and it is powerful in a primary. But I can tell you, I talked to some Republican hacks to see if I was having the same reaction they were watching this. And in the old days, we would dream of a Democratic presidential nominee locking themselves into some of these issues. So she's taken a lot of risk. You know, she's got rocket fuel and it's working for her. But I did not see her, at least in this debate, leaving any breadcrumbs to be able to pivot out of some of this stuff, particularly the immigration. She retrenched on immigration. Yeah, I think she's operating under the theory that uh, to win the presidency you have to win the nomination and she's working to win the nomination and she's going to worry about uh, the rest of it later i just wonder about the wisdom of candidates who've been real muscular in democratic primaries the kamala harris's the elizabeth warrens because they come from states where the republican is normally some guy in an uncle sam suit who doesn't get any votes in the general they they don't know what life is like or at least they haven't experienced it in a tough presidential race in an ohio or michigan or florida and they may be thinking what works in their experience in a democratic state transfers. And that could be a rough education in the general election. Let's talk about the rest of the people uh, who were on the platform on uh, on uh, Tuesday night because it, it was the two kind of iconic left candidates standing in the middle of the stage, Bernie and Elizabeth, uh, also the best debaters. Uh, and they were surrounded by a sea of moderates uh, and then... Uh, Marianne Williamson, who's sort of in her own category, her own galaxy, and uh, yeah, although you know what she, there, she, she, she has a, she has skills. Oh, she'll have a cable show. I could see Zucker <laughs> already getting his contract lawyer ready. Um, she seems more like an MSNBC person <laughs> to me, but <laughs> maybe anyway. Um, but there, there is this. We talked about this Hunger Games element of this because a lot of these people aren't going to be back. So a lot of these moderates were fighting to stay on the debate stage and qualify for the next debate when right. the eligibility standards double. 
Steve Bullock, the f- former governor or the current governor of Montana, was on the stage. Did well out of the box, I thought. Out of the box and then sort of faded at the end yeah. when it got to foreign policy. Um, uh, John Hickenlooper, uh, aforementioned, former uh, governor of Colorado. I, I think that we saw him for the last time. Yeah, I, I think a bunch of them will be gone, and that's probably a good thing. That's one reason this is kind of the end of the beginning, because now we're going to the majors where it'll be one night of eight or nine of them who have to have a little more reason to be there. I thought Mayor Pete was interesting because he's not a hot, passionate enough communicator to ever really own a moment, but he's very lucid and good. He he had his own version kind of of Elizabeth's fiery line about why even running for president don't believe anything. He had the cerebral thing about what the Republicans are going to call us, which was a pretty good line. Let's listen. On Mayor, Buttigieg. Mayor Buttigieg, it is time response? to stop worrying about what the Republicans will say. Look, yes. if, if, if it's true that if we embrace a far left agenda, they're going to say we're a bunch of crazy socialists. If we embrace a conservative agenda, you know what we're, they're going to do? They're going to say we're a bunch of crazy socialists. So let's just stand up for the right policy. Go out there and defend it. That got a big applause bite. It, it did, and it was a great line. And he had a couple of other great lines as well. He turned on, he lectured some of your Republican brethren. I think you would be exempted <laughs> on uh, how they're going to justify in in years from now their support for Donald yeah. Trump in this moment. And I thought it was very powerful. But uh, the one thing I didn't see was he never really turned and he 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 made a big stand for his own health care plan, which is much more saleable, which is yeah. uh, Medicare for those who want it, meaning you can buy into Medicare if you want it. That's something that I think you could re- that you could easily sell to the American people. But he never turned to Bernie and Elizabeth and he hinted that th- their position was not a saleable one, but he was very careful to navigate yeah. around them. And one of the ways you do make headway in these debates is conflict. to con- confront yeah. people, not not just because people like conflict, because they don't always like conflict, but to show that you can. No, and- no, it, uh, you're totally right. He, The thing missing from the Mayor Pete equation is, it was empathy before, he's getting better at that, but it's a little bit of toughness. You know, he does a cerebral thing where he interprets what's really going on, which is entertaining. It almost makes him a commentator. But you kind of want him to stand up and have that presidential moment. It, it's funny about that line about, you know, the Republicans are going to cause socialists no matter what we do. The, the subtext under that, though, is it's a lot easier not to have that attack work if you don't do socialist no, stuff. No question and about he, it. he could have developed that argument a little bit, too. Yeah. And so he just... He he needs yeah, a little I, more. So snap. I actually was bothered by that line yeah. because I think it 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 sort of it's it drives by the obvious fact that yes they're going to call you socialists and they're going to say you're for open borders but if you're for uh, if you're for conf- essentially ending private insurance and if you're for decriminalizing the border uh, it makes it a lot easier to say you're socialists and you're going to uh, and you're and you're for open borders so. Yeah, imagine um, a campaign where a Trump smear would actually be at least half true. It would right. be history-making. We shouldn't, uh, or Democrats shouldn't, I should say, as an anti-Trumper, I'm lost in the desert. But yeah. uh, shouldn't make it that easy for I him. I saw Elizabeth Warren after the uh, after the d- debate on uh, Tuesday night. She was on the CNN set. And uh, first of all, I must say, two hours and 45 minutes she was on that debate stage. This was probably one in the morning when she showed up on our set. And she stayed for half an hour, like 
they, they thought she was going to leave. And uh, Anderson Cooper talked to me. So what do you think about what Senator Warren said? So I start responding. And she doesn't leave. And then we get into a colloquy. And yeah. Van Jones gets into it. And we're all questioning her. And she she was happy as a clam. I think she would have stayed there till 4 in the morning. If well, I we'd... bet she knew she did well. And you know that candidate adrenaline that hits when they think they're winning. They turn into killing machines. They just keep going. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is she's 70 years old. Yeah. No, I got 70 years old. Right? And she's only six years younger than Joe Biden. But somehow she hasn't seem old. Yeah. She seems energetic and vigorous and... That that's going to come into play here down the line. I, I think, to her credit, and you know she's one of my least favorite Democratic politicians ideologically, but she believes her stuff. I think she couldn't be more wrong. I think she's dangerously wrong, but she has a passion for it. That it, it's kind of like what they tell you in screenwriting that when you write a villain, write the villain to always think the villain's a hero. She believes in what she's doing. She's out there slugging, and she feels it working. And yeah. she has the stamina to keep going. She showed it. And again, after two debates, she won the first night's debate. And you can argue by being better than what we saw in night two, she arguably kind of won tonight as well. Yeah. So can she, she was arguing it? for her, her whole, I think this is a vulnerability that could come up later. Her whole, she has these very, very elaborate plans and for, for expanding the social safety net uh, and, uh, uh and, and and dealing with the impacts of inequality and so on. But they're all tied to one proposal, which is this wealth tax, a 2% tax on on wealth over estates, essentially over $50 million. That polls very well. I mean, it polls well among Democrats. It polls well about, among independents. And Murphy, it polls well among Republicans. Sure. It pulls well among everybody who doesn't have $49 million. Right. You know, but we, we Republicans... But it, it does create... It, it kicks off a lot of money. There are legal questions, yeah, constitutional questions about whether it can be done. And given the Supreme Court that we have now, I think there are more than trivial questions. Yeah. So no one has yet said, you know what, if this court doesn't accept it, uh, every single plan you've proposed virtually unravels. Yeah. And then what do you do? Well, she, you know, Delaney tried a little of that, of the, the legal argument. And she basically, their new magic phrase, which is very in vogue, Republican, is Republican talking, talking point, fake news. Yeah. And I'll tell you, at her worst, she does get into demagogic stuff a little bit because she's smart and she knows how hard it is. But she was brushing off the idea. Well, and when she done. was with us and I asked her about this and she was dismissive of it and she said, and I said, it is true that, uh, you know, large majority of people support this idea. And she said, and, and we're a democracy. And in a democracy, when a large number of people support something, that ought to be enough. And I said, okay, but what about the large majority of people who don't support Medicare for all that Right. Uh, that makes private insurance illegal. What about the majority of people, large majority, that don't support decriminalizing the border? And then she shifted on a dime and said, well, you know, that's what we've got a leadership is about. You know, we've got to sell these policies and so on. That said, she is a ball of fire right now. Oh, yeah. No, no. It, this race is becoming her versus somebody, and the race is to be that somebody. Though I have to admit, I'm watching her do the uh, 
the uh, her and Bernie talk about the private insurance and the Republican word you're going to hear is confiscate your private insurance and a wicked little Republican grin crossed my face because I had a flashback to the early 80s when the Democrats had that ad that we Republicans all went crazy of rage over where they had a tight shot of a social security card you remember this one and the silver scissors come up and cut it in half because the evil Republicans wanted to cut the rate of increase in social security funding I can see your health insurance card, and those scissors are back. We're finally mm-hmm. getting revenge, you know, 30 years later. That yeah. is going to be a sticky thing to get out of. And you add that to the borders, and you add that to whatever else will come up going forward. As much as she's got a pretty good tax can in there, we're good in the Republican Party at blurring tax messages and getting right back to 140 million people's health insurance. It, as good as she is in the Democratic primary, uh, she's a risky choice. The um, and she may not be the nominee. True. One thing yeah. before we wrap up night one yeah. could be the real beginning of the end for Amy Klobuchar. She yeah. had a nice beat on yeah. guns, but she has yeah. a campaign without strategy. Well, she just shows let up. Me, let me let me say a word about her. Uh, she now twice has been on the platform with Elizabeth Warren. Her whole race is predicated on that. I don't make promises I can't keep. Uh, you know, I, I'm someone who can work across the aisle. I'm, you know, the sensible Midwesterner. I win in places that Democrats don't win. And uh, and when she, but each and every time that she had an opportunity to say who she was talking about, uh, she refused to right. do it. And um, I, I think that 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 caution, that lack of willingness to confront i I think she's risk averse or she's confrontation averse i should say and you know you can't make the case unless you're willing to make it all the way and uh i do think that she she will be on the debate stage in uh in the next two debates i don't think she's going anywhere before the iowa caucuses but based on what i saw in this debate in the last debate I really have questions as to whether she'll go beyond the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, I'm in the same place. She is running a B-plus vice presidential campaign right now, general affability and not trying to engage in anybody, not trying to tick anybody off. And at 3%, It reminds me, by the way, of, you do. remember our, uh, the, uh, the, uh, her fellow Minnesotan, Tim Pawlenty. Yeah. He was, uh, he, he was menacing Mitt Romney in 2012 and announced on a Sunday show that he was going to take this big punch yeah, on Romney. Slowly I turned step and then, by and step. And when it came up in the debate, yeah. he completely wimped out. Well, I'm married it's to Minnesota a Minnesota. Minnesota nice, I guess. I'm married to a Minnesotan, but I know Minnesota nice can turn to Minnesota ice. And we should see a little <laughs> of that from Amy. Or I agree, she's going to be giving a thoughtful concession speech uh, in Iowa caucus night. Uh, let's take a minute to pay the bills and we'll be right back to talk about the second night debate. So, you know, Axe, in the dog-eat-dog podcast game, you got to know what you're talking about. And that means new, fresh information, which is why I dig quartz. It's online. It's a new kind of business journalism designed to inform a new kind of business leader. It's rich with culture, and it has a broad worldview. Recently, you can get a deep dive into the battery revolution. Okay. It's going to change everything. And a guide to the CBD boom. I may be doing some experimenting with that. <laughs> Even a video interview of Bill Gates. So Quartz members have access to all Quartz award-winning journalism, exclusive guides and video series. It's an expert community with understanding of the rapidly changing global economy. With your membership, you get in-depth field guides to the most disruptive forces in business, video, tutorials on the essential skills of modern executives, and other membership-exclusive journalism, thought-provoking discussions with some of the most respected people in business, 
a direct relationship with top journalists, their insights, and their obsessions. You can even dial into the newsroom during conference calls for a behind-the-scenes look, and we're in the behind-the-scenes business, so that sounds interesting. Plus, there's never any paywall. You get access to all of Quartz. And now Quartz is offering our listeners 25% off your first year of membership. Just go to qz.com, click Become a Member, and enter our code HACKS at checkout. So go to QZ, Quebec Zulu for you pilots.com, click become a member and use the promo code HACKS. 25% off, you'd be dumb as a rock not to choose quartz. Quartz, it's almost like gold. Let's talk about the second night tonight. Uh, and it began in a very interesting way. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris side by side. They walked toward each other on the stage and Biden... Uh, I think in a very kind of friendly and uh, not very meaningful way. Oh, Irish Paul, yeah. old school. Walked up and here's what he said to her. Josie on me, kid. But the fact of the matter is neither she nor anyone on that stage went easy on him. He was a pinata the whole night, and he operated under the theory that better to be the stick than the pinata, and when you get hit, you have to hit back, and he was hitting back all night. Yeah, he was prepped for it. He knew he had to do it. He Coming out of the shadow of the near disaster in Miami, I think one of the challenges he had was Joe Biden is the kind of Paul who doesn't like to attack anybody. It's not his comfortable thing. And so he was just not comfortable doing it, but he managed to execute a few things that he practiced pretty well and answered, I think, the growing terror in his campaign that he can't fight. Now, was it perfect and smooth? No, very uneven. Ups and downs, stumbles. But he did enough that nobody's wondering if the Biden campaign will exist in 30 days. Is it enough to go take on Elizabeth Warren and win the nomination? We're going to find out. Biden had a strategy, and the strategy was just to fight back and show that he can. Right. What was lost was any larger message. There was no—if you were looking for someone to articulate the alternative vision to what we heard on Tuesday night with with, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who somehow— you know, uh, could take up the, that moderate flag that all you never Trumpers hope some Democrat will take up, and, um, and 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 you know, and the significant number of Democrats who describe themselves as mo- moderate or conservative, he you know he made sort of tactical arguments, but there was no narrative. No, no. He, he kept going back to the legislative record, his version of the past, where he fought for the right stuff, or he was Obama's right hand. I thought, even though he plays the Obama card a lot, and that has there's a lot of affection for Joe out there, which probably helped him tonight among you know regular voters in the primary, I thought he had a moment or two uh, when they were kind of inferring attacks on Obama that he could have had a great line. You know, something like, I had Barack Obama's back then. I have his back now. Mm-hmm. You are wrong. And choose somebody out. I think that would have like knocked it out of the park for him and been the moment. But he is, just doesn't have the poetry of performance to think on his feet to do something like One that. One of the problems is that he, he embraced Obama on most things. And then when de Blasio challenged him yeah, he took a step back. on, on yeah. immigration, he said, well, I'm not going to discuss I was what, sick that day. what I yeah. uh, tell the President yeah. private. Then at another point, he, he allowed that he urged the president to move forward on the auto bailout. Yeah. So that led to Cory Booker uh, saying, uh, well, calling him on this. Let's listen to that just for a second. 
Senator Booker, please respond. Well, a couple <laughs> things. First of all, Mr. Vice President, you can't have it both ways. You invoke President Obama more than anybody in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient right. and then dodge it when it's not. So there we have it. I mean, uh, Joe, Joe Biden survives, lives to fight another day. Um, I think there's some people on that stage who did pretty well tonight, um, uh, some of whom you'll see in the next debate, some you may not. Yeah, I think we'll be a lot shorter on irritating New Yorkers with both Gildebrand and de Blasio. Yeah, although she was better tonight than I, than I she was, than she was she, in the first debate. Her Biden thing, she played it too far. She thought he was Al Franken or something and went a little too far. And he had a good He was ready for her. He did, yeah. It was no, on was, it. He was yeah. not going to take a lecture on being a single dad. I thought it was in many ways his best Yeah, we should probably, moment. let's listen to that for a second. You didn't answer my question. What did you mean when you said... When a woman works outside the home, it's resulting in, quote, the deterioration of family. No, what and that I, we are avoiding. These are quotes. It was the title of the op-ed. You came to Syracuse University with me and said it was wonderful. I'm passionate about the concern, making sure women are treated equally. I don't know what's happened except that you're now running for president. So I understand. <laughs> Mr. I think that Gillibrand is going to have to struggle to get on that debate stage. I think Bill de Blasio will be gone. Um, I thought, you know, one of the guys who may not make the debate stage but had a really kind of respectable night was Jay Inslee, the former guy. Yep. He's not exciting, and but he pushed his climate change uh, argument, and uh, I think to— uh, to some effect. Yeah, it was his best night, too, where he was able to do his thing, which is climate change, and drive the agenda of the debate for about seven or eight minutes. Michael Bennett, as we pointed out, made some great points, but he has an idiosyncratic style that I just don't think plays. He, he was better, and he had time to develop the argument. Again, the weakness of, of Biden uh, and Kamala opened it up a little, but he's another guy who probably won't make the cut, though I would give him because he's making a unique argument, a pass into it. But I agree. He probably won't make it forward, though he'll get a little money off this. He'll have a little heat. And then finally, I think the other big story, besides Biden, was the Biden slayer last time, Kamala Harris. She, she did not have any of those Bernie vitamins from night one. She, she, she had what I think was a mild loss. Uh, she had the expectations to do really well, having done well before. And I don't think she met him. Yeah. Um, she seemed on the defensive. She didn't seem happy to be there. The contrast between her and Corey on tone was very telling. Well, and then there was this one big moment where uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, for reasons I'm not sure, yeah. decided she was there on a search and destroy mission. It was a little like Chris Christie going after Ron Marco Rubio. Rubio the big leg breaking before Christie's out last of the race. Campaign. And so yeah. she was going to take uh, Kamala Harris out. And she had this brutal line about Harris's record as attorney general in California. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. In the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. Kamala navigated around it, but really didn't answer it particularly. There's going to be a lot of fact checkers worrying to see, you know, what was fair and what wasn't uh, about that attack. But there have been a lot of there has been a lot of buzz on the left about whether oh, Harris's yeah. record as a prosecutor 
passes muster in this era of criminal justice reform. Democratic hacks I bump into out in California have been a buzz about it for a while. And it's kind of no secret in the political community out there that the Diane and Nancy people aren't the biggest Kamala fans. And they've all been waiting for this moment. Because interestingly enough, even though it's her base state, California is so big, it's kind of hard to really lock it up. And there are factions there, and many of them don't really like her. So she's learning what it feels like to be successful in one debate. Because you go from being the scrappy upstart who had the great night to the target. And she was just not on her game. I don't think she handled it well, particularly in tone. So here we go. Now, we don't have a debate in August. By August 28th, we'll know what the next debate stage will look like. I think ABC will be really eager for it to be a one-night affair. Uh, but um, you're gonna, you know, you're probably going to lose about half these candidates by then. And if it is a one-night affair, then you're guaranteed that Biden and Warren are going to be on the same debate stage. I would say that the Joe Biden we saw tonight uh, will have a very hard time with uh, the Elizabeth Warren we saw last night. Uh, And he's going to have to up his game considerably uh, if he's going to uh, emerge from that uh, you know, in good shape. Yeah, it's a tougher roster coming up because everybody who's going to be in these September one-night debates has earned their way there with something. And look, as much as I've enjoyed the open mic night nature of the beginning, it is time to, to cut. And like, you know, I look, I own a math hat, so I should give him a one-minute plug. I thought Andrew Yang, Yang man, he was the Yangster. The, he was the Yang are you, are Gang. You in, are you in the Yang Gang now? I, I like math, too. Um, I'm not for UBI. Uh, Make America but, think again. Yeah, no, no, he's got 100 of them. Yeah. Uh, but he went from being a mannequin to being an actual candidate, but now he can buy a tie and go run for governor somewhere. <laughs> so I think I think it's going to tighten up he, a lot of the hand. You know what? He, he came by uh, CNN tonight. He was really impressive. He's he a thoughtful is. guy. I mean, uh, uh, and he's very appealing. You know, he's got a good demeanor about him. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be the next president of the United States. But um, he, he I, looked- now I get a sense of why it is that he's got the following that he has. Because one thing that bothers me about all these discussions, uh, the real things that we face don't get a lot of don't get a yeah. lot of attention. The, the, the impact of automation and AI uh, sounds dry, but it's profound. Oh, it's huge. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. four it's out of five jobs everything. that we're losing now, I mean, president and people on the left can talk all they want about trade. But today and moving forward, uh, the jobs are being lost are not being lost to Mexico and China as much as they're being lost to robots and computers. And that's going to have a huge impact. No, it's going to be very – it's going to shake things up. We have an education system that's not ready to have the human capital be what it's going to have to be. Well, you're not going to be able to make a living loading trucks. And so we're, we're heading toward a revolution. You know, this now, I'm a little more optimistic, though, because the case study of the ATM machine when it first came out, the prediction was it would wipe out bank tellers. There are now more bank tellers than there were then, even adjusted for population. So I don't think it's all an end-of-the-world story, but it ought to be in the center of the debate. Well, I mean, and this is not something that you hear from Elizabeth Warren who uh, has a different uh, interpretation. And, you know, I, I think she cheats her own message uh, for this, but there are, it's harder, as I said, to make the villains uh, out, of, out of the robots and the computers. And you don't hear from Biden. Yeah. You know, and, well, you and saw it, that when he, when he forgot the verb text. 
yes. when, he, when he did the big tech finish with the 303 whatever, you know, he he didn't quite say the interweb the kids like, but it was almost that kind of off-tone thing. He's just not a futurist candidate, and neither is Bernie, and neither is Elizabeth. They're still kind of backwards grievances, a little bit like Trump, particularly Bernie and Elizabeth, of let's go relitigate the 90s and improve on them when we're heading for a revolution. You know, I even tweeted being snarky uh, after the first debate that Bernie was talking about all the evil mega corporations. I said, well, around my hometown of Detroit, we call them GM, Ford and Chrysler and they pay 50 bucks an hour or more. So I don't really know if the they Democrats- They just closed the plant- uh, Yeah, up in, up in Warren. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, but I would say buy less Priuses, buy more GM cars. But bigger point being, forward debates win. And maybe this will be the Mayor Pete, the Cory Booker, mm-hmm. one of the younger candidates, find that energy in the second half and turn the race over. It's not impossible. We shall see. Good to be with you, brother. Good to be in your hometown. It, it is. is it, I'm, I, and I'm glad that you were unmolested by <laughs> my fellow Democrats as you, you know, I, I think the fake nose and sunglasses was a good was a good feature. but I have a good one because I need it with some Republicans these days. But no, it was great <laughs> to have you here in Motown. I want to apologize to our listeners. We didn't have time for the mailbag because it's the middle of the night. We had so much debate to talk about, but we will be back next week with all our normal stuff. And again, if you do have questions for that mailbag, don't forget our special mailbag Gmail address. We're going to get it right, not like Biden. Axe, you want to give it? It's uh, hacks on tap at gmail.com. That's hacksontap at gmail.com. Good night, brother. See you next week. See you next week.